All right, so how are we doing this morning, West Fort Worth? Doing good? All right, let's go. Um, here's what I wanna do to start with. First of all, my name is Jackson. Like Jeremy said, I am the student minister here at the West Fort Worth campus. What that means is I have the best job on our staff. I get to hang out with our sixth through 12th graders. Some of them are in the front row. Would y'all make some noise if you're in student ministry around the room? Any sixth through 12th graders? They're like, I usually sleep later than this, so, okay. So here's what I wanna do to start with. Uh, I wanna actually have everybody stand for the reading of God's word. I want us to stand for what we're about to unpack this morning. So it'll be on the screen. Um, We're gonna be reading um, John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Thanks be to God. Y'all can have a seat. Here's what I wanna do. Um, something we've been, we've been working on with our kids and our students this summer is helping them memorize sections of scripture that they can use as they go about their daily life. And actually the verse that we're gonna be talking about today is one of the verses that they memorized in sixth through 12th grade at camp this year. And so I want y'all to get a little bit of the experience that our kids and students do. So I want y'all to just say this verse with me. It's John 1, 5. I'll say it and then we'll continue to say it. So the verse is, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. All right, say it with me. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. One more time. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Darkness does funny things to our minds. Science, uh, I I read this study, I read a lot of studies on the internet. My parents make fun of me because I'm always like, I read this study that you shouldn't eat, blah, 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 and then I'll go and eat a bunch of it. So uh, (laughs) they're like, I thought you read a study. And I was like, that was two weeks ago, I already forgot. So um, science uh, has found that in parts of the world that experience a lot of darkness, like in Alaska, they have sections of the year, if you've ever been or lived there, that are um, highly light and then highly dark for a majority of the day. In those places, they've done tests and studies on the students in school there, and they found that in those seasons of extended darkness, the darkness can make us more likely to lie more likely to cheat on assignments and make simple mistakes, like make simple errors and accidents. Extended time in total darkness can actually cause our minds to see things that don't exist and aren't even really there. I grew up in Northeast Georgia and one time my family took a trip to the mountains in Tennessee And we went to a cave where you had to like go in this elevator and it would take you way down into like this mine where there was no sunlight, there was no light except for some light bulbs and then like flashlights and lanterns. And they did this thing, the tour guide, where they had everybody like turn off their flashlights, turn off their cell phones, and they would turn off all of the lighting in the cave. And we're like a mile underground. It felt like a mile. I don't know how long it was underground, but it felt like a mile. And we're way down underground and it just got completely dark. And they told this story about how coal miners in Appalachia would see ghosts, monsters, and even things that they described as demons 
when the lantern that they had would go out in the coal mine. This is called the Gansfeld effect. There's a reason why, and if you're a kid in the room, you may resonate with this. There's a reason why Walmart sells nightlights. There's a reason why we asked our parents to check under our bed or in the closet for monsters when we were a kid. Because the darkness is real and darkness can be really scary. Today, I don't wanna just talk about physical darkness when there is no light. I wanna talk about spiritual darkness. Spiritual darkness is where lies lurk. It's the domain of evil. Jesus refers to Satan as the father of lies for a reason. Darkness is like a farm where the primary crop is lies to hurt you, to deceive you. Darkness steals our joy, it steals our peace, our contentment. In the darkness, when we walk in it, when we partner with it, when we live in it, all we can see is what's wrong with us and what's wrong with everybody else. And the feeling of darkness can be heavy and suffocating. And if you wanna see the darkness, all you have to do is look around. So I was preparing this message. I remembered an experience I had with Tuan, who you'll get to hear uh, from at the second service if you choose to stay, which you should, because Tuan is incredible. Um, We went to New York and uh, we were going to see the Statue of Liberty, but we didn't want to spend the whole day like on the ferry doing all that because we only had one day free in New York. And so we go to Battery Park and we kind of see the Statue of Liberty. And like most things, like this is my experience when I moved to Texas and I went to the Alamo. It's like you build it up in your head and then you go see it and you're like, yep, I saw it. There it is. And then, you know, there it is. I'm going to go eat a hot dog now, which is pretty much what we did. So we saw, uh, we saw the Statue of Liberty, and then we were walking back across Battery Park, got a hot dog. It was great, you know, kind of like a normal hot dog, but it was in New York, so it tasted better. And then we saw this huge line around a building. We were like, what is this line for? This building must be crazy. Like, we got to check it out. And the line uh, was wrapped around this building. We saw on the sign that the building was the Museum of the American Indian in New York. And we asked this couple uh, who was standing in the line, like, are y'all waiting to go to this museum? And they were uh, from England. I'm not gonna try to do a British accent because if I mess it up, that's all anyone will remember. But they said, uh, we are actually not doing that. We're in line for the ferry to go see the Statue of Liberty. So the thing we skipped out on. It was like this huge long line to go do that. And so we had been in New York for like four days and I am from uh, the South. I'm from a place kind of like here where you have a lot of elbow room and people value personal space for the most part. They don't get all up in your business. And I had been in such close proximity with human beings uh, that week in New York that I thought I would never really want to see another person again. And so we walk into this museum and I kid you not, it's the emptiest building we saw all week. And I remember as we read through some of the exhibits, we watched the videos, we saw these paintings and art created by Native American artists. Tuan and I were standing next to each other and the the irony was not lost on me that a white man from the South is standing next to a black man from the South in this museum in New York, learning about what happened in America towards the American Indians. And Tuan looked at me and he said, human beings, regardless of race, are capable of doing terrible things to one another. And I sat there, and and it's fitting. We sit here July 4th weekend. We recognize all of the ways that God has redeemed and healed and worked through our nation, worked through the church within America to bring healing, reconciliation. We can also look into the past and do the history of every nation and every culture and see darkness. 
But darkness isn't just in the past. It's in our present. It's in the way that we treat each other. It's the way we experience things like cancer, marital strife, war, and hunger. The reality is that even if we don't participate, the darkness is still around because Satan is still working against the kingdom of God. And we have so many opportunities to partner with him. Sometimes it feels like we have no escape. When I was growing up, my grandparents bought a house uh, that was built in the 1700s. And so if you're a kid in the room, it's like that house was built before America was a thing. It's like a super old house. And it was super creepy at night and really scary. Um, but the scariest thing about this house was that it had a cellar. And base, in Texas, y'all don't have basements, uh, but imagine a basement um, and it's made of like rocks. It has no electricity. It's got a dirt floor and it's like the stuff of nightmares. Um, pretty much is what it is. And it's like, if you imagine like the big doors, like a tornado shelter, it's like that, but like way worse. So I remember my grandfather and it was funny. He was like, I need you to go get something. My grandfather kind of was like this. He would probably tell me something to convince me to do it. Like, like, don't you want to be like a cowboy? Well, cowboys go in the cellar. Like that's what they do. So you need to get in there. So I remember he told me, he's like, you're going to go down the cellar. You're going to get this thing that I need because my back's bad and I can't get down there. So I, uh, I remember he gave me a flashlight. I go down into the cellar and here's the thing about me. I'm super scared of spiders. I don't like spiders at all. I wish they didn't exist. And um, I really don't know what God, like when I get to heaven, I'm gonna be like, God, why? Why spider? Like, why'd you make them? And uh, so I'm so scared of spiders that I'm scared of the possibility of spiders. Um, if I feel like the tag on the back of my shirt touched my neck, it's probably a spider. If I chirp over my own feet, it was probably a massive spider. So I'm like in this cellar and I am like trying with a flashlight to cover every corner of the room with light because I'm so scared of what could lurk in the darkness. I wanna hear that verse one more time if anyone remembers it. It's the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. So we just read this whole section of the book of John and this part of the book of John is called the prologue. The purpose of it is not just to write like a beautiful poem, which it is, or a beautiful work of literature, which it is. The point is to make a very, very clear and bold claim about who Jesus was and continues to be. If you read the Old Testament, the law of God is referred to as God's word. If you read about the prophets, the prophets spoke the word of God. If you read the book of Genesis, you see that God spoke the very world into being, everything that you see with words. Jesus is God's word from the beginning of time in a human body. And Jesus shows us how to live. Jesus is not just a tell kind of God, he's a show kind of God. Jesus shows us how to live in scripture by being the word. So my first point this morning is that Jesus is the word of God. Psalm 119.15 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. So what is this light? It's the word of God. And who is the word of God? It's Jesus, it's Jesus. Jesus is the light in the darkness. Jesus is the light in the darkness. He's the living word of God. He's the light to our feet and the lamp to our path. And he still speaks to us today through scripture. 
We call the Bible the written word of God because the Holy Spirit inspired it. He inspired the men who wrote it. And it contains eyewitness accounts, four of them, of Jesus's life. But instead of it just being old words that had relevance hundreds of years ago, the Holy Spirit is still speaking through the word of God today. No matter the time, no matter the place, no matter the language, no matter who is reading it or who is hearing it, the Holy Spirit is speaking through scripture. The Holy Spirit can speak to us through so many ways. But one of the most clear, reliable, and simple ways to hear from the word of God is to know him personally through scripture. The Bible is a collection of Holy Spirit-inspired stories of God interacting with people. And the Bible repels the darkness because it contains the truth about who God is, what he is like, how Jesus lived, commands us to live, and what Jesus' mission and goal is for the world. When the way is dark, read scripture. Ask God, speak to me through it. When your fear of not being good enough is rising, when you're surrounded by things that cause you to be anxious, sad, or lonely, remember that no matter how dark the world is around you, there is the light. And that light is the word of God. It can never be extinguished. It's so important we remember that not even death could extinguish the word of God. Three days later, it's verified by eyewitness accounts. Historical fact tells us that Jesus Christ defeated death and rose from the grave. And through scripture, we're reminded of that actual historical fact. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness can never extinguish it. But I don't wanna miss this moment. I don't wanna miss the reality of the darkness. You might think that you haven't experienced a whole lot of darkness in your life. You might think that you haven't partnered with the darkness in your life. But the reality is the darkness is coming. It's present. It's real. Satan is alive and he's vicious. Despite the reality that so much darkness in our world looks attractive, it looks like it's going to offer us power, offer us contentment, offer us what we want. Ultimately, it will chew you up and spit you out because the darkness is not on your side. Satan exists only for his own benefit, his own selfish desire. So here's what I want you to do. I want everybody in here to close their eyes. Kids, students, adults, everybody close your eyes. Here's what I want you to do. Just close your eyes. And I want you to think of a time when things were good. Think of a day that you woke up and maybe you had like a really good breakfast. You got coffee on time. Everything was delicious. You had a plan for your day. You knew what you were gonna do. You had some stuff maybe that was fun, planned a trip to the park with your kids. You're gonna watch a new show on Netflix. Everything was set up. Maybe you didn't have to go to work. It was great. And then all of a sudden, like a thick, heavy wool blanket in the Texas heat, the darkness appeared and covered your life. I want you to imagine whatever that thing was, or maybe it was that this morning. Maybe it was the struggle of getting kids ready for church. Maybe it started with a fight with your spouse, something you saw in the news, something you experienced at school, the hurtful words of someone else, or maybe it was something that nobody else knows about, a struggle that you're walking in 
you've been wrestling with and it's a source of darkness in your life, I want you to imagine that settling over you in this moment. Just sit with the discomfort. All right, I want you to open your eyes. So my grandmother grew up in a part of the country and we can turn the lights back on. My grandmother grew up in a part of the country where there was no electricity um, for much of her young life. And so when I say that, a lot of younger people in the room, people like my age, uh, I don't mean like slow internet. I mean like literally no electricity, no radio, no light bulbs, no microwave, no toaster. I don't know why I like always go to food when I talk about this, but like seriously, there's no, no electricity, none of that. All you had at night when it was dark was an oil lamp. And so when we read, um, when we read scripture, what Jesus is talking about is carrying a lamp with you. And my grandmother would go around in her house when it was dark at night. If you had to get up and get a drink of water, if you had to walk to the bathroom that was probably outside of your house, you had to carry with you a light everywhere you went to repel the darkness. Wherever you go, you had to carry the light. And here's the thing. When we allow God to speak to us, when we walk with Jesus, when we listen for his voice, when we learn about who he is in scripture, when we talk to him and let him in every part of our life, every space of our mind and our heart, we carry the light with us to show the darkness that Jesus Christ will never be extinguished. We're called to carry the light. But when we think of light, we live in a post-light bulb invented world. And so when we think of light, we think of lights like these, or we think of the light on your iPhone, the flashlight that you have. You think of Christmas lights or bulbs. That's not what Jesus is talking about. What Jesus is talking about is fire. When you see a lamp like this, what's happening is that the fire is consuming this cotton. It's consuming the thing that gives it the ability to burn. If you were to touch that fire, it would hurt you. It would repel anything that you place on it because what fire is, is energy consuming the object that it's burning. And that's why we teach our students and kids to memorize scripture. That's why we show them what it looks like to follow Jesus, to listen to his voice, to show up at school, to show up at home and be the light, to carry the fire. Because when we carry the fire, Jesus burns through the darkness. He burns through the lies of the enemy and all that's left is the light. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. No matter how dark things get in your life, no matter how confused the way forward is, no matter how much evil tries, Satan can never extinguish the light. He can't even come near it because the light exposes him for who he is. He's a liar and a cheat who has no power over the kingdom of God. So there's three types of people I'm talking to this morning. The first one is someone you hear me talking about this and maybe you've heard it all your life in church or maybe this morning it's your first time hearing about this light. But you need to catch the fire. Maybe there's darkness in your life that people can't understand. Maybe there's darkness in your life that you would be ashamed to admit. Maybe you've walked through things that have been done to you or circumstances that were outside of your control that were so dark, you felt like you had no place to turn and you were turned and you were suffocated by it. 
Today, the invitation is available to you to catch the fire, to recognize that Jesus Christ, son of the living God, died on the cross, shed his blood for your sin, and by defeating death, coming back to life three days later, has restored you to right standing with God. He's burned through the schemes and strategies of the enemy, and he's given you an opportunity to carry the fire of Jesus within your heart. That's the opportunity available to you today. And if I'm speaking to you, you hear the sound of my voice, and you think maybe that's me, don't dismiss that thought. Allow the Holy Spirit to draw you closer to the presence of God. The second group of people need to fan the fire. Maybe you had the fire at one point. Maybe there was a moment uh, where maybe you even got baptized. You, you, you were in student ministry, you were in kids ministry as a young person and you felt close to God. And maybe you've been going to church all along, you've been serving, you've been participating, maybe even in a very public way. But the reality is, the fire has long, long, long since passed its peak. And all that's left in your heart are some smoldering coals, some memories of what God might've done in your life a long time ago. You've forgotten God's promises and it's time for you to fan the fire. I wanna give you an opportunity and an invitation to do that today. Maybe the way you tangibly take that step is to worship like you haven't worshiped in a long time. Maybe it's to not simply evaluate the song that we're singing by your musical preference or lyrical interpretation, but to allow the moment of worship to build a fire in your spirit to remind you of the goodness of God. And this is the last group of people. I wanna ask you this, do you need to carry the fire? The reality of secularism is that uh, Satan wants to use our world to convince you that anything um, spiritual, anything religious, anything that has to do with your discipleship under Jesus is something to be made entirely private. It's acceptable, it's good, maybe a little weird, but it's okay as long as you keep it to yourself. And the reality is that we're not called, like Jesus says, to take the fire, to take the lamp and hide it under a basket. We're invited to be Jesus to the world, to represent the goodness in the kingdom of God, to be standard bearers for what God is doing on earth to the world. And so maybe you've had the fire, maybe you've held on to it, maybe it's been a private thing for you. You show up on Sunday, you participate at that level. But as soon as you leave this place, you put the fire back under a blanket. You hide it. And all that God is inviting you to do is to partner with him. Carrying the fire is not about mustering up some level of strength on your own and be basically um, trying to do the work of Jesus for him. Jesus has already done the work. Jesus did the work on the cross 2000 years ago. All he's inviting you to do is be obedient and partner with him in it. Because honestly, this is just the truth. You get two choices. You can partner with the light or you can partner with the darkness. There is no middle ground. And so today, today, maybe the invitation is for you to mark this moment, to mark the moment of July 2nd, 2023, 
on the west side of Fort Worth, Texas in this room as the moment that you decided to carry the fire. Whether or not you've been in church for a long time, whether or not this is the first day here, that's the invitation before you. The invitation before you is to pick up the fire, carry it, recognize that if you're a parent, this is the opportunity you have to carry the fire and to teach your child what it looks like to carry the fire in an increasingly dark and threatening world. Jesus says, it's my favorite verse in the entire Bible. Jesus says in John 16, 33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart for I have overcome the world. The truth is that no matter how hard the darkness tries, no matter how hard Satan works, Jesus has worked harder. Jesus has been prepared for a long time. The book is written, the letter is sealed. And one day when Jesus returns, Satan will be cast into hell with the lies and the damage and the trouble that he's caused for good. And so I want this morning, as we get ready to respond, as we get ready to sing, to remember that reality, to celebrate this morning, like the words I just said, like the words you may believe are true. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm thankful for this room. I'm thankful for every person in it. I'm grateful for the opportunity that I've had to bear witness to what you can do. The strength, the power, and the glory that is ours, your son's sacrifice. So God, what I would ask this morning, if somebody in this room needs to pick up the light and carry the fire, that they would not resist your conviction. They wouldn't resist your voice. They wouldn't resist what you have to say to them. They would embrace the discomfort and they would walk into the arms of a loving father who values them and cares for them. Ask all these things in your name. Amen.